If you're a founder, you know that fundraising is a big part of the job. What you might not know is that Carta is there to help. Carta's new fundraising suite provides startups of all stages the best tools and support to easily issue safes, accurately forecast solution, and quickly close funding rounds. Save time, money, and make your next round your best yet. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. Welcome to Inc.'s The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, the founder of LearnBest, author of New York Times bestselling book, Financially Fearless, and second book, Financially Forward. I'm also the founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm focused on the entrepreneurs of the future. Each week, we sit down with the top founder to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Alexa Von Tobel. And this week, I'm so excited for you to meet Dion Nicholas, the co-founder and CEO of Forethought, which uses AI to accurately solve customer issues and make businesses more efficient. Forethought won TechCrunch Disrupt Startup Contest and has already resolved over 500,000 customer support claims automatically. Before Forethought, Dion built products and infrastructure at leading tech companies, including Palantir, Facebook, Dropbox, and Pure Storage. He's a machine learning expert who holds infrastructure patents and was named to Forbes 30 under 30. Let's welcome Dion. Hi, Dion. Hi, Alexa. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. I'm so excited to see you, and I'm really excited for today's conversation. I was hoping to just start with the basics. In your own words, what is forethought? And for laymen out there trying to wrap their head around AI, automation, all of the things that forethought does, can you just give us a few examples of what your, your mission is with forethought? Yeah, so Forethought is an AI company, and we're really on a mission to bring out the genius in everyone using artificial intelligence. And specifically what that means is we'll build out artificially intelligent agents to improve and elevate enterprise workflows. Our first AI agent, and a good example of that, is Agatha, the AI for customer support. So imagine you are a customer asking a question, you're sending in a support ticket to your favorite store or online shop. What Agatha does is Agatha will integrate into that workflow and then either automatically respond to questions if they're simple enough or route and triage those questions to the right agents to make sure that the best agents are working on the best problems. Or third, Agatha will actually assist agents by giving them suggested answers, search tools, and other things to help them be more efficient. And so ultimately, Agatha brings efficiency and productivity to the entire workflow using artificial intelligence. So let's go back. Let's rewind. You're starting with AI products for customer support agents. Walk us through the typical status quo for your customers before they use Forethought. What do pain points look like and how do you fix them? Yeah, absolutely. So imagine you're calling up your bank and you have a question like, hey, I didn't see this, this transaction go through or something like that. Well, Customer support is very, very time consuming, I would say, on both the customer end and on the agent end. For the customer, you often have to wait for hours for an agent to get back to you. And by the time they get back to you, they don't know that much about you. They have to ask you the same question over and over again. So it can be really time consuming and frustrating. And imagine on the agent side, it's actually not much better. You're actually hopping from question to question, answering dozens of questions per day, and you have to look up stuff about the customer, about the problem, about the product that you're working on, and you don't really have that much time to serve your customers well and to really think about your responses and delight them. And so this is the world that people live in pre-AI, pre-Agatha. With Agatha, instead, 
information that you need about the customer is surfaced to you right away as the agent. Or if it's a problem that's simple enough, you can get your question resolved within minutes rather than hours because the AI will actually know the answer to that question. Before we go more into AI, Agatha, et cetera. So you were sitting there and you have tremendous tech experience. You were at Facebook, Palantir. What was the aha moment where you said to yourself, wait, I want to go build something. And I think now's the time. Walk us through, again, you have a lot of aspiring founders out there listening. Walk us through what that felt like and looked like in practicality. So becoming an entrepreneur wasn't actually something I knew that I could do when I was a kid. It wasn't like I was thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up? And I want to be an entrepreneur. But one of the things that I had always been doing regardless has been building products. I I had been building tools for myself, building tools for friends and things like that throughout my entire lifespan. So for example, when I was in high school, so being a math and computers guy, I was really bad at subjects like history. And so at the time, I built an AI that would read my notes and quiz me on the material. And that's how I got through history class. And so I had been building things for myself for a very long time. And the aha moment for me was I was actually at Pure Storage. And I realized that I had a ton of knowledge problems, so to speak, ramping up on new projects and things like that. And I also realized that my colleagues and friends in places like customer support and other areas also had similar issues. And so I kept going back to these things that I had built for myself in the past. And I thought, could AI, think tools that I had been working on in the past, could tools like this help everyone at work? And so what ended up really happening was this nagging feeling that there was a problem that I wanted to solve that wasn't being solved by existing technologies. And so it really got to the point where I was like, I really have to go and solve this. And so instead of just building tools for myself, I started sharing them with other people. I started interviewing folks in the customer support world, my other friends, and sharing little tools that I built. And I started to see that there was a real impact that could be had here. And then eventually I decided to take that leap. And I was like, okay, I'm actually going to go and build something here and build a company about this. I I love it because those are always the best founders when you just feel compelled. It's really not like an active choice. It's almost like you have to go do it. And the next thing you know, you're doing it. So you've talked a lot about forethought as a means of augmentation, not automation. Again, for those who know nothing about AI, can you explain the technology behind forethought and how you're working to help humans do their jobs better, not replacing them? Fundamentally, I believe that humans are the heart of any business right? Technology like artificial intelligence was created by humans. It uses statistics. It's all stuff we know. And it's created in order to help bring out the best in people. And that's really why our mission is to bring out the genius in everyone. There's often a lot of, I would say, doom and gloom, so to speak, about how AI is going to be replacing people, is going to be replacing jobs. Automation is going to kind of destroy everything. But I actually think when you think about it at its core, AI really is just a tool to make everyone more productive. And I think humans are the heart of business. Humans are going to continue to do things like have empathy for people. Imagine your customer service agent didn't have any empathy. That's what a robot would be. But with a human involved, you have agents who care about the customer and things like that. And with AI, they just get information a lot faster. They just get the tools they need a lot faster so they can serve you. And so that's really what I mean by augmentation, not automation. And then in terms of the technology behind Forethought, our core secret sauce, so to speak, is a technology we call natural language understanding or natural language processing. And it's basically this the idea that 
artificial intelligence or machines can read and comprehend things as well as a human can. So when a customer support ticket comes in, either through email or through chat, you now have an AI that's looking at the words and understanding the sentiment. Is this customer unhappy or is this an urgent issue? They're looking at the meaning behind when they say login help and things like that. And so the AI is really understanding the meaning behind the words that the customer is saying, and then using that to figure out and make decisions. Should I go and respond to this right now so that a human can focus on something else? Should I route this to the most knowledgeable agent on the team? Or should I let this go through and then support those agents by giving them suggested answers? And so that's kind of how the technology behind Agatha and Forethought works. I love that. How sophisticated do you think that technology's gotten over the last few years? Like, again, I'm trying to use a, a quantifiable way to talk about it. Has it gotten 100% better over the last five years or 300% better or 10% better? It's really fascinating because I think when you're on an exponential curve in any way, it's really hard to know you're on an exponential curve until it's almost too late. So the, the one big analogy that I, I see in kind of the technology space is the rise of computer vision. So back in, say, 2013, 2014, one of the first pillars of things that were tackled by machine learning was computer vision. And this is the problem of teaching an AI or teaching a machine to see like a human. And we all now know about the stories of, you know, the Waymos and the Teslas of the world and self-driving cars and how big these industries are going to be getting. And these industries are going to be, you know, in the billions, possibly trillions in the future, whereas back in 2010, this was like non-existent. And I actually see that natural language understanding and the technology that powers Agatha is on a similar exponential curve starting in and around, we'll say, 2017, 2018. In the past, you had to use a lot of things that were just keyword-based. Now you're starting to see AI that can actually comprehend questions. There's technology called question answering, information retrieval. A lot of these things are seeing exponential growth. So I don't even know if it's 100 or 300, but it might actually start to get into the, you know, the tens of thousands over the next few years in terms of how fast these things are growing. Okay. So again, you're building an incredibly complex technical product. Let's rewind. What did the first year of Forethought look like? And Again, you came out of the gate hot. I met you at literally the day that you won TechCrunch Disrupt. Walk us through what that first year looked like and kind of what it felt like to get shot out of a cannon. <laughs> Absolutely. I will start even before TechCrunch Disrupt. So we were in stealth mode for quite a few months before TechCrunch Disrupt. And that first year was all about two things. One, seeing whether or not we could build the technology that, that does what we want to do. And then two, once we had figured out that we could build an AI that can understand and comprehend text, so to speak, we actually stopped writing code and spent the rest of that year talking to customers. One of the biggest mistakes technical founders tend to make is focusing purely on the technology and then not spending enough time thinking about go-to-market, thinking about the product and thinking about the customer experience. So we're very customer-obsessed at Forethought. And so we spent a lot of that first year just talking to heads of support, talking to customer support agents, understanding their problems, and really trying to build a product for them. So we combined that with obviously fundraising, raising our first round of capital and things like that, to the point where when we went and launched the TechCrunch Disrupt, our main focus was showing, hey, this is a product that real customers are using and really loving. And so I think that really contributed to our win at TechCrunch Disrupt. And after that, it was a, a quote unquote rocket ship. It's been a, a crazy time and I'm super fortunate and super grateful about that. 
I love it. Again, I want to repeat something you said for everybody to listen to. You said one of the problems that most technical founders have is they focus so much on the product, building the product, getting it built, making the technology perfect, and not enough truly on the go-to-market strategy with customers, listening to customers, and really confirming, are you building the exact right thing? Dion, one thing that you've done really successfully is you have signed on really big name customers, Carta, Masterclass, Gusto. How did you think about what customers to target first? And what lessons would you share with other founders listening on standing up a go-to-market strategy and how you continue to evolve it as you keep learning? So the first step, again, is to be constantly listening. In the first few months and and years, unless you have a a network in a specific buyer, it's going to be about hustling. It's going to be about talking to as many people as you can and just really going out of your way because it's not easy. So maybe that's the first lesson. It's not easy, and it's almost a sheer force of will or active will in order to get those first few customers. And then as things start to grow, you have a product that is kind of working. You have some users even using it. One of the things to realize is that every business has a different natural buyer. Some products are naturally bottom up. If you think about a Slack or a Dropbox, some products are naturally in the enterprise. And for us, we found that our perfect customer was they had to be large enough that they have a strong need, a strong set of data and a large customer support load. But also we found that we were working with cutting edge technology companies who wanted to use AI. They understood it to some degree and wanted to deliver the best experience for their customers using the latest technology. And so those were the companies we went and targeted. Once we understood our ideal customer profile, we started talking to really large companies, like you mentioned, like Gusto, like Carta, Masterclass, folks like Instacart. And so knowing your ideal customer profile is the key there. And then continuing to iterate and launch new products, continuing to talk to your customers is how you continue to make progress. Alexa here. Not only do I get the opportunity to speak with all types of founders on, for starters, but I'm a repeat founder myself. We all know how vital fundraising is to a startup. Carta knows this too. That's why they had founders in mind when they created their fundraising suite, providing tools and support to take the friction out of fundraising. They save founders time and money, allowing you to focus on your goals, not the admin work needed to close around. From simply issuing safes to quickly receiving funds, Carta Fundraising Suite helps their cap table customers raise a better fundraising round. To learn more or to get started, go to carta.com forward slash fundraise. That's carta.com forward slash fundraise. How much do you as the CEO pay attention to customers? And one of the reasons I ask that is it's so easy to say, oh, we're customer obsessed, but then it's like you delegate it to somebody else versus you truly owning that activity. Can you give people a sense of today, what you still do to stay customer obsessed? In the early days, I spent most of my time talking to customers. I was our our quote unquote sales rep for, for quite a long time. As the company has grown, I still will get on customer success calls, get on sales calls, work with our reps, work with our teams, talk to customers as much as possible. And then we're also doing a ton of research with customers for the product side. So definitely spending a lot of time with the customers, and that's really the lifeblood of of, uh, how we continue to make progress as a company. So Dion, you're a really unique founder. You're incredibly talented. You are extremely articulate. You are sitting at the forefront of improving customer support for everybody while leveraging AI, truly, you know, all of the natural language processing, you know, software and, and really building something that 
allows humans to become superhuman. That's basically how I think about what forethought is. You have a unique vantage point to the next decade as we look at where the world is headed. If you had to make a prediction or two of where the world's going to be in a decade around AI, what are the things that are just obvious to you that maybe everybody that's listening, you know, it's not obvious to them? I think that idea that we're on this exponential curve is, is really important to think about. It's really hard to see that. For example, so many industries that exist today, self-driving cars being one of them, didn't exist or weren't even fathomable 10 or 20 years ago. And I think that in a decade from now, everyone is going to have an artificially intelligent teammate in their workflow. So whether that's Agatha and customer support, or whether you're a sales rep or an IT service manager or an engineer, artificial intelligence is going to be embedded into every single workflow. That's pretty wild, actually. I just want to say that again. So there you're going to be on Slack with five of your colleagues, problem solving, et cetera, et cetera. And you're going to have, as a colleague, an Agatha, an AI bot, who basically can go and provide leverage to you. And, and you know, I think this goes beyond even just customer support. All day long, you know, running Inspired Capital, we think about things like, Oh, I really would love to know the market size on this product, on you know, on this this thesis a founder has, or you know, how many people in America have laptops? And the ability to have a coworker really just be a computer who can go get us those answers, that that's pretty exciting. What worries you about that future? I think artificial intelligence, like any other technology, is a tool. Again, a tool to help humans. Like any tool, there can be issues. There can be good pros and there can be cons about that tool. So one of the things that I think about that's really important, for example, is bias in AI. A lot of artificial intelligence technology is trained using data that exists in the real world. And the way artificial intelligence works under the hood is really discovering patterns in that data and then using that to make future predictions. Everything in, in, in machine learning, at least, can boil down to that. The problem can be when either the people training the data or the process of gathering that data has natural biases or has natural patterns in it that are unrelated to the actual problem you solve. For example, if you're collecting computer vision data, for example, for facial recognition, and if all of the, the let's say, the people or the faces that you use to train the system look a certain way, or if they're all male versus having a mix of males and females or anything like that, then you end up training a system that won't be able to recognize a certain percentage of the world and will make a ton of mistakes, right? And so I think one of the things that we have to do a very good job of in artificial intelligence is having really good data collection processes, really good training processes that eliminate bias in the data so that the systems can actually learn true patterns that are true for all people. Last question on forethought before we transition to a little bit more about you and, 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 and what makes you so special. What is your ambition with forethought? If we fast forward a decade and you're sitting there with your best friend and you're saying, here's what I want to build, what is it? We want to bring intelligence to every single workflow and make every single person a genius. And so we're starting today by building out Agatha for customer support. We think that is a truly massive industry and a very, very important one. Actually, my first ever job, I was in customer service. I was a merchandiser at a pharmacy. And when you think about that industry alone, that's going to be a huge help to every single person on the planet. But then what if you take the same technology behind Agatha and you build a new AI, one for IT service managers? What if you build another AI for sales reps, for marketers? We think about, at Forethought, being the intelligence platform for every single workflow, the same way database companies or companies like Salesforce were 
the system of record of the CRM for every single workflow. You have sales cloud, you have things like service cloud and so on. And so when you fast forward in a decade, we want to be that company that powers every single workflow using intelligence. And I truly want to build a category defining business, one that means something to a lot of people and that has an impact on, on everyone on the planet. Dion, let's transition a little bit. Tell us about your background. Where'd you grow up? You know, give us the sense what ignited your passion for tech. Yeah, so I was born and raised in Toronto in Canada. I got really into computers and technology at a very young age. I, we, we lived in kind of, you know, an inner city neighborhood, so there wasn't, you know, that much to do. And there weren't even that many people who, role models I had for technology. But I had one friend, one of my older brother's classmates who was really into computers. He was like a hacker, get into your computer style hacker. Um, and he showed me a lot of things when I was like really young on, um, I got uh, super fascinated by how to make video games. So he literally would show me uh, technology on how to make video games as a kid. And so that was like what ignited that, that passion for me for building things and technology and storytelling. And after that, I had, I learned to code taught myself C++ growing up and that sort of thing. And kind of the rest is history. Ever since then, I've been on the computer. Um, and when I'm not on the computer, I love to play basketball. And, and also, I have a pretty mean karaoke game. So um, <laughs> those are, yeah, that's a little bit about me. What would you say is the biggest surprise that you've experienced being a founder? The biggest surprise for me has been how personal of a journey the, the founder CEO journey is. And what I mean by that is there's so many different paths to building a company. And what I've learned is that the path of forethought and how I build it is very unique to myself. For example, there are things that I thought were weaknesses of mine that turned out to be strengths. And those are the strengths that I lean on when becoming a leader, when building a team. One example of that is I'm a very collaborative person. And when I was younger and I had this image of what a CEO would be, I imagined somebody who's very, you know, stoic, very strong, not very collaborative, has strong opinions. And so when I was becoming a CEO, I didn't realize that this other way, this personality trait or skill set that I had could be a different way to be a CEO. By being more collaborative, I'm able to bring on really talented people onto my team and give them the tools that they need, give them leeway, coach them, trust them in order to run with things. And I found that that's enabled many of my teammates to go further and do more. And so that's something that's unique to my own leadership style. And something that I find really fascinating is that every CEO has a different way of leading. And that's how you're going to build your company, not by copying somebody else's playbook, but by being true to yourself and by continuing to learn and to grow and to build a massive company. What lessons did you take from your experience at some of the tech giants as you approach building Forethought? You know, you're inside Facebook, you're inside Palantir. Give me a sense of what you said. I want to keep this as I go and build my own technology company. I've learned a little something from every single teacher I've had, whether that's a, an actual person or the companies I've worked for. So for example, at Facebook, I loved the culture around move fast and break things. I, I think they, they say move fast and build things now, but that culture that always be moving quickly and anyone at the company, whether you're an intern at the time I was an intern or the CEO, if you have a good idea, try and make it a reality. And I found that that helped empower me when I was an intern at Facebook and something that I've tried to bring into the culture here so that, you know, it's a little bit more meritocratic, so to speak. We're all kind of working towards the same goal and moving fast to make that happen. I think one of the biggest lessons I learned was from uh, Drew Houston at Dropbox. And when people ask him, how do you 
continue to grow as a CEO, one of the things he does a lot is reads a lot of books. And I was like, oh, that's something I really enjoy doing. And so what I've taken from that, for example, is anytime I don't know something, I go and I learn about it. I, I go and ask experts, I'll go and read books and things like that, whether it's about technology or about marketing or sales or anything like that. And I'm constantly up-leveling myself. So those are just some of the, the things I've taken away from you know the different companies I've worked at. What habits do you have that you swear by? So everyone's different. We all have our things that keep us sane. We all have our routines. What are the habits that you swear by that keep Dion excelling at, at your best? I think reading is, is definitely one of them. When we were back in the office, I would have a half hour commute to work and a half hour commute home every day. And that was sacred time to just read and read or listen to a podcast or things like that. And so just getting that extra half hour a day of just like personal learning time where you can learn from an expert, it pays dividends. Like before you know it, you're done, you're through a book and you're like, okay, I got to move on to the next one. And so I would read a ton from, you know, management books to psychology, to coding, to problem solving. And so those are, those are definitely some habits I have. I want you to tell me any other habits you have around sleep, exercise, meditation, or any products that you swear by because they've been life-changing to the way that you keep yourself in motion and executing at, at, at a high performance? One of my favorite books and kind of philosophies is 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. One of the commitments is seeing the opposite. So what that means is instead of holding an opinion extremely strongly, have strong opinions, but weakly held. And so anytime I'm faced with a problem, I try to see multiple points of view with this problem. And that's really helped me kind of go and create a very interesting culture where I'm okay to be wrong and I'm okay to constantly learn. And so I really love that kind of conscious leadership mantra. And so I'm, I'm constantly learning about that. What's the thing you're most proud of right now? And while you answer this, also give everybody a sense of how big the team is, how much capital you've raised, and then what's the thing that makes you really feel proud? So in the three years since starting Forethought, we've raised over $27 million in venture capital from the likes of NEA, Village Global, Canine Ventures, and notable luminaries like Ashton Kutcher and LL Cool J. We're now 50 people, and we've worked with amazing clients like Carta, Gusto, Instacart, folks we've mentioned on the show. The thing I am actually most proud of at Forethought is the people. I am extremely excited every single day. You'll see on my, on my Twitter every once in a while, I will just say I love my team because the people I get to work with every day are not only some of the smartest and most talented people I've ever met across you know, any of the companies I've ever worked with, but they're also down to earth, humble, kind, compassionate people. And I just love just being able to work with the four thinkers. That's what we call ourselves. And so if there's one thing I'm proud of, it's really the people and the culture that we've built here at Forthon. Dion, if you have to give me the biggest pinch me moment where you said to yourself, holy smokes, I can't believe that just happened. What would it be? Definitely meeting LL Cool J. Fast forward to 2022. How many days a week do you think people spend in an office? I think it'll be about half and half, maybe two to three days a week. But one of the things I think will be interesting is that people will be in hubs rather than having like a central office location. You might move from office to office and so on. Other than Forethought, what's one other startup you want to pay it forward on? What's what one other really great up and coming company that you just want to spotlight and give a shout out to? I would definitely say Lunch Club is a really exciting startup. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. In the time like this where you know everyone is at home and things like that, 
Lunch Club is a startup that enables you to meet new people. They, they introduce you to one new person a week for, for lunch or for coffee or in, in this day and age, a Zoom meeting. And I found it really helpful for me in being able to, you know, stay connected to people. Dion, first of all, thank you so much. It has been such a joy to get to know you and to call you a friend. And I'm sincerely so grateful for what you've shared with everybody today. And we're rooting for you in every way. For everybody out there, if you want to learn more about Forethought or think about Forethought for your company, check out forethought.ai. And you can join us next week for Inc. The Founders Project with Alexa Von Tobel. Thank you, Dion. Thanks, Alexa.